0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Staking Mondays. Staking Mondays is a weekly show to share knowledge from key staking industry leaders with our community. And of course, this is all powered by stakingrewards.com. At Staking Rewards, we are helping investors to navigate the landscape of yield-generating digital assets, helping them find the best opportunities to earn interest on crypto. My name is Ken, and I'm very glad to be here and extremely excited to welcome today's guest, Wolfgang Albright. He is the co-founder and CEO of Staking Facilities. Now, Staking Facilities operates industry-grade, highly secure physical infrastructure for next-generation blockchains to run on. They offer non-custodial staking services for proof-of-stake token holders and provide essential services for the Web 3.0 ecosystem. They currently have over $2 billion in total staked assets and have paid out over $100 million in rewards to delegators. So welcome, everyone, to Wolfgang.
1: Hey, guys. Great to be here.
0: Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And and quite impressive numbers there. I'm sure all your delegators are quite happy with all the rewards they've been paid out uh, over the years. So uh, Wolfgang, just to, to break you in here, a quick uh, icebreaker question. Uh, So which crypto project first spiked your interest outside of BTC and Ethereum? And why was that?
1: Uh, Yeah. Like my first touch point was basically uh, um, Ripple. It's a, Weird story, but my flatmate in Berlin, he uh, was working at a big consultancy and they had some, some pilot project with Ripple. So I got in touch with blockchain uh, through him and then quickly looked at Ethereum. Obviously this was kind of a game changer for me because yeah, um, lots of new stuff you could do uh, with ETH. But uh, yeah, coming back to your question, uh, what sparked my interest after Ethereum Probably uh, I would say it's already Solana, which uh, has its roots in 2018-19 and this was kind of a project that came after and where I realized hey this could be super interesting because it makes different trade-off than others.
0: Yeah, yeah, quite interesting and of course Solana has risen to everyone's radar recently with the the recent surge in and- uh, stakers, delegators, uh, price appreciation as well. So let's get right into the the main core of questions here, and we will actually talk a lot about Solana today. Uh, and it's going to be quite interesting to hear your take on some of these questions. So, Solana currently has one of the highest staking hardware requirements in the industry. Now, you guys run a run a node, or a validator for Solana. So, could you give us your take on this uh, staking hardware requirement? Sure.
1: Um... I think from our perspective, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting to look at from a validator's perspective, because, um, if we look at validators, how they are operated in different networks and, or look at our role in these different networks, what is pretty clear is that the hardware requ- requirements or the cost of hardware and the cost to operate that hardware is like very small in comparison to the other costs we have as a validator company, like the the main cost factor for us is uh, human attention basically and human resources so um it's not like buying a bunch of hardware is not the problem the problem is like being present in these networks engage deeply with these communities um build uh connections and um good networks um and kind of stay close to the project on a technical level like uh, as a validator you should of course um uh, know what is happening in these networks, know the technical developments and stuff like this. So it's 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 more about keeping this context than it is about hardware. And so for us as a company, as a validator company, the hardware Solana requires is, is not a problem really, it never has been. Uh, I would even say that um, projects like Polkadot or Cosmos that require you, um, if you want to really support because it's not only validate on Polkadot, but also get in touch with all the different power chains or Cosmos where you are not only present on the Cosmos Hub, but eventually you want to support all kinds of different teams that um, need you to run a validator instance for, let's say, um, Kusama or like lots of different networks are popping off left and right and requiring your attention as a validator. So in the, the Solana model, we are really happy that we can just buy hardware And we don't have to maintain the kinds of different applications that are trying to build on this. We can just focus on providing a really good service as a validator. And teams can just focus on building cool shit. And uh, this is kind of a distinction that um, we like a lot, because every part can kind of focus on the stuff that they want to do. In in the the pocket model, for example, like projects have to focus on. building a validator set for their power chain, for example. They need collators. same in Cosmos. Like if you are a Cosmos project and you spin it up, you need a bunch of validators that you can trust. And to build this foundation is really, really hard for teams and it's not their core expertise. So uh, there's a good argument that these hardware requirements for Solana, they really serve a good purpose and they make things more scalable and, um yeah take out friction of the whole process of deploying an application on a blockchain and on the other hand for the operators to run a really stable um service for these devs, and uh, yeah so we personally like it a lot um and uh, I can also understand the downsides
0: um, but maybe we'll get to these later yeah definitely an an interesting perspective that you have is uh the hardware requirements are almost a positive and You're really allowed to now focus on building uh, some more cool stuff, which we're going to get into some of the other products that your team works on as well uh, in just a second here. But uh, for the next question here, so do you think Solana and Bitcoin Cash are similar in the sense that they both scale via hardware and thus trade off decentralization? Now, obviously, uh, Bitcoin Cash only requires more storage and it's not related to the miners, uh, but isn't it kind of the same dilemma?
1: It's a bit like this. Um, I think if you look at the kind of trade-off spectrum, they certainly go in the same direction. But I would also like to add that Solana is, uh, like Solana scalability does not only originate from just beefy hardware. Um, This is like basically the Binance Smart Chain model. it's it, it's much more, it's Rust contracts, it's a parallel smart contracts runtime. And for example, the EVM uh, has a model where kind of one contract um, at a time modifies the blockchain state. Solana is a completely different beast as it allows for kind of non-overlapping transactions to con- to execute concurrently. So there's not only a hardware side to this, scalability, scalability question, but also a software side. And it's kind of unique both in Solana. So the team is really doing really, really good work in making use of that hardware. Like you can't just throw hardware at something and expect it to get better each time you throw more hardware in it. That's not just how it works. You have to also do a lot of fine engineering uh, and to to, to make use of this this hardware. So um, I I think Solana has done a great job in doing this. And um, yeah, so. I think it's comparable due to um, Bitcoin Cash in a sense, uh, but also uh, kind of iterates a lot on the kind of technical things we can do with this hardware and really leveraging this hardware to the extreme, uh, because this is kind of what um, makes Solana special, I think. And what the team has always said is their goal to leverage every tiny bit of memory and CPU they can get and bandwidth and make this kind of maximally efficient so that all the hardware you throw at it um, results in more transaction capacity for the users in
0: the end. Yeah, very well said. And you're someone who knows best, right? So someone from the inside running a validator uh, realizes that the software associated with Solana here really brings out the most efficiency within the hardware uh, that is required. So for you it's still a positive and doesn't there's not really a big trade-off for decentralization. Um, but now, Next question here. So, so, what is the better trade-off for decentralization—higher staking requirements, like what we're seeing with Solana, or a limited number of validators, like we see with EOS?
1: Um, I think it's definitely hardware uh, because a validator is kind of artificially capped at let's say twenty-one or something. Uh, with hardware, you can just um, there's no gatekeeping when it comes to hardware, basically every business uh, can buy a validator um, and and spin it up. So there's no artificial uh, gatekeeping. Um, It's just that the requirements to uh, run this are really high. And I also want to point out there is a trade of, of obviously in terms of decentralization, but I wouldn't look for it at the validator side because as I said, um, if this thing becomes really big and most of the global financial activity happens on blockchain one day, and DeFi blows up uh, and billions of people use this, I think in my view, it's totally appropriate that Solana, uh, like like for example, 5,000 validators buy really DeFi hardware, and they, uh, they're sitting a day and it can be decentralized from, from that point. I think where the trade-off is, is that uh, regular people will have difficulties running a node, and this is, has kind of been a, a core, um, core property that uh, uh, makes Ethereum decentralized in this discussion is that people can run their own nodes. They can validate the state on their own. And um, by doing this, they can defend against some of these uh, attacks that might be out there. And they can, uh, yeah, access the network in a way that's way more difficult with uh, Solana. So there's definitely a trade-off here, but I wouldn't say it's on the validator side. I would rather say it's on the user side because regular users, people like us, um, they can't run a Solana node at home, obviously. And and, um, this is a fundamental trade-off that you make in this model, but I think um, it's important to point out that there's a distinction between validators running nodes and operating hardware and regular users.
0: Yeah, great point that you make there. Although it may have more requirements to run a Solana node, uh, it's still possible. It's not, you're not uh, confined to this 21 limit like we see with EOS. So great take there. Uh, Where where would you position Solana in the blockchain uh, trilemma of decentralization, performance and security? So compare this to Ethereum 2.0 once it goes live.
1: interesting question and uh, we've been asking us this question ourselves um obviously uh, there are lots of unknowns um if you for example look at the eth2 roadmap it's going to be a way more um yeah uh, fragmented ecosystem i would say so usually you have um, eth two and then you have uh, in the roll-up centric um, model that exists right now with lots of roll-ups um, rolling up to this main chain, basically, and by by doing so, uh, you, you kind of break composability a bit. So uh, all of a sudden, you don't have like this one ETH right now that you have and everybody can use it. But all of a sudden, you have different layer ones with different liquidity profiles and different security risk and different making different trade-offs of their own. So um, it's really hard to tell how these landscapes will evolve. But I think a core principle in this this ecosystem is that a user can note and verify all of these things um, for himself. So um, in terms of decentralization um, and, and kind of the trilemmas, Solana certainly takes a very different path. But my opinion from the very beginning has always been that I don't want to choose between one or the other. If you look look at it as a technology that can help us build cool stuff and and build cool things and display some of the monopolies that are uh, very present in our daily lives these days, Um, if we want to really do that, we have to leverage all the different uh, trade-offs we can make and Solana's doing a very different trade-off than Ethereum. Uh, and I don't want to choose between one or the other. I'm honestly and genuinely convinced that both approaches will bring lots of value, find product market fit and do really well. It, it's not an unreasonable thing to believe. So you don't have to apply this one versus the other um, method. And in fact, if you neglected these kind, this kind of tribalism um, in the last years, um you've been doing exceptionally well as a validator and also as an investor so the market really clearly speaks the language of multi-chain and accepting like accepting different trade offs um, that will all find product market fit and and do great in the long run so i talked uh, around the outside but that is kind of how i see this um clearly they are and Ethereum and and
0: both can have their place in this world, I think. Very interesting perspective. And for everyone watching right now, we have with us Wolfgang Albright, who is the CEO and co-founder at Staking Facilities. And Wolfgang, just to get your opinion on the next question here. So uh, sticking to Solana and Ethereum uh, sort of comparisons, what needs to happen around Solana for them to keep the current traction that they've achieved and not lose relevance in the coming months. Once Ethereum 2.0 actually launches.
1: Yeah, so my my biggest worry always about Solana was that, um, you know, with with, for example, Avalanche or Binance Smart Chain, you have this clear um, path that you uh, maintain EVM composability and then you launch something that is maybe slightly better than ETH. and roughly compares to ETH2 maybe. So if you take Avalanche and you compare it to ETH2, on the one hand you have a couple of chains, on the other hand you have a couple of rollups, maybe shards that can also execute transactions one day. So it's, it's, it's pretty similar, right? So you can compare those two pretty well and you can port over programs uh, from one chain to the other because it's both EVM and you can do the same with Binance Smart Chain, so it's EVM compatible and you can run all the stuff that works on ETH there. solana like the biggest worry i always had was uh, how are they going to build an ecosystem around this there's a a completely new uh, execution environment you have to write smart contracts in rust there's nothing you have to build from the very scratch you have to build a foundation and, and nothing is there how is this gonna work out um to my to my absolute surprise um i think solana is a very live it like a very, um, live ecosystem today. So you can use tons of applications. There are lots of, um, great things you can build upon already. So lots of code that you can leverage lots of the foundations, uh, the, the wallet side, it looks great. So all this is here now. So this was already my biggest worry. And, um, also you see lots of, um, people writing smart contracts in rust now. So, um, with Solana there's no notion of um winning over ethereum projects for example curve uh, or a Aave or any of the other big projects they can't simply port over to um to Solana and on the other hand people can just take their code fork it and build something like pancake swap which I don't know I have no insights into this but I think PancakeSwap Swap is pretty plain swap of, of something that happens uh uh, exists on ethereum um so and you can't just take it and port it over so you avoid all the copycaters you really have to build something from scratch so this has always been the model for solana so i think to for them to keep to 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 be relevant in the future they just have to continue what they're doing right now And, and the network has to obviously scale and be stable we had a downtime a couple of weeks ago so we have to avoid this from the operator side it's still a very early network and there's of course risk involved with, uh, like with all the others. But I think the biggest worry for me was always the developer ecosystem, um, basically reaching escape velocity. And, um, I think it already has reached escape velocity. So I think the biggest risk, um, the biggest risk factor is already gone. And the market clearly, I think sees it the same way with the recent surge in price, which, you know, brought it from a couple of dollars to almost 230 i think so i think the market also recognized that this ecosystem building on rust smart contracts is uh, reaching escape velocity and the, the risk is uh thing um blows up and it doesn't get any traction at all it's not like it, there's not a risk anymore that solana stays a chain or anything like this I think this is also the reason the market completely wants to see Solana and the in comparison with all
0: the others. Yeah, that that fear of having Solana as a ghost chain is definitely relevant, right? Where where now we see so many uh, different wallets, uh browser extension wallets supporting defi applications. Uh really you name it Solana has it now. So your biggest fear has sort of subsided and you can see that the traction is clearly taking place and uh will they stay relevant will these applications continue to evolve continue to innovate will be the question that will remain to see answered in the future so uh great take there as well and
1: adding to the point of earlier like uh those are are a win-win because Solana is not leeching EVM Solidity Solidity developers from from like maybe avalanche does away and attention from ethereum or anything like attracting completely new set of developers, Rust developers, and building a completely new ecosystem with no copycats uh, that just its own feet. And this is just a great ad for the ecosystem as a whole. Like if we can order a couple of million couple of hundred million people in the next years through Solana, it won't hurt Eve, like um, it will only make it stronger. So uh, I've been a big fan of, of thinking this way since the, the early beginning. I think um, it's the right way to look at it.
0: Absolutely, and if anyone watching is a Rust developer, one of the millions out there, you know, take a look at Solana. Maybe it's an easy transition for you to come start writing smart contracts if you know the Rust language. So uh, great point there as well. Now, in Toloi, the founder of Solana is emphasizing uh, 10,000 validators on the Solana blockchain. However, it seems very optimistic, considering that smaller validators may need uh, to pay a lot for this staking hardware operations and voting fees, for instance. Uh, do you think having so many individual validators is feasible for Solana? And what do you think it would would be, would be achievable? What would be an achievable number of validators on Solana if 10,000 was not?
1: I think this number 10,000, I've heard it before. It's something that lies in the distant future. Not, I think, because Solana uh, has these hard, like these hardware requirements or is, is costly per se, but it it's it simply the amount of validators these days in all these networks is simply limited by the amount of uh, operators. Like there are only a couple of hundred or a handful of operators that you can take seriously, but really do this as a run validator infrastructure as a business. And I think the notion that ETH2, that there's a lot of people running validators from home, I'm not sure how true this is, true this is like the data suggests, obviously, that the biggest depositors into this ETH2's uh, staking contract, is, it's Kagen, Coinbase, uh, it's, it's it's something like Lido, which we are part of as well. And uh, of Ethereum validators through Lido. and uh, uh, I think big exchanges they stake a ton as well. So I'm I'm not sure how uh, how much how large this number in the Ethereum ecosystem it, it's Obviously, a lot higher because regular people can just spin up a node at home. But I think this uh, this number, ten thousand validators, um, it's more of a distant future. I'm not sure how distant. But what needs to happen for this um i think is that this this whole space obviously gains a lot of traction and um, if we onboard a billion users into the this um, blockchain ecosystem um and they, they they facilitate economic activity i think there's an argument to be made that in that case we can scale and it's feasible to scale the number of validators beyond a certain point which will be much higher than it is today just because it will be much more profitable to do so Uh, and also um, yeah if you just think about the fees for example if a billion people are using these networks like the economic activity happening on these ledgers is going to to be absolutely crazy and um it's going to be very profitable to run building operations and and i think this will also lead to all kinds of different businesses um around the world small large size mill size spinning out validators only if they like and if it's only to kind of um understand what's happening in these networks or because they have to inject their own transactions um so i see lots of these uh, thing uh, in a very distant future i think right now uh, the space is pretty limited by just the amount of, of people that have the capabilities and the will to run validators right now there are now 10,000 operators that uh, just they're just not there so it's, um, it's, uh, it's, yeah, as I said, it's maybe something we'll get back to in the future. But right now, it's just not realistic, I
0: think. Yeah, good take there. And 10,000 is a nice round number. It's good for marketing materials as well. So I'm sure that has something to play with it. Um, so So how much time do you think it would take for someone individually running a Solana validator? And under which conditions would it be a profitable operation for them?
1: Um, I think you, you obviously need a bit of knowledge how to you know work with um, hardware and um, a bit of Linux experience. But then I think you can get up to speed pretty quickly from uh, the knowledge side. Um, I think uh, it's also pretty easy in most cities. You can find a small uh, independent uh, data center that will co-locate your hardware. Um, this is something I'm a big fan of. So, um, of course, you can go to the big kind of clouds, or there are also like big data centers like Hetzner that um, have pretty good offers for like managed hardware. But even if you want to run your own hardware, I think in every like middle mid-sized city, you can you find a local, local data center and you can um, put in your Solana validator there, and you're basically all set. And then it's just about um yeah just about reaching profitability this of course is the the hard question so i think um right now voting on solana costs you around one soul per day and in transaction fees which is if you extrapolate it's quite a lot so um you definitely right now need i think a couple of thousand soul and an on stake or um yeah, significantly more in external stake to 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 break even basically so um, yeah it's about rising this threshold what i meant with lots of economic activity happening on these platforms if that really happens um people are gonna pay transaction fees these networks are gonna get um really saturated with demand and this will allow uh, i think uh, smaller operators to 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 um, uh, has this threshold ability um, whereas right now they maybe can't um yeah but uh, the foundation is also doing a good work in solana is uh, i think um, pretty heavily dedicated to supporting smaller validators so they're doing a great job i think in comparison with the other foundations in this space uh, really uh, focusing on their mission to uh, build up the knowledge and a validator set um, that is capable of, of basically expanding. Um, and uh, it's really helping to kind of, yeah, build a good foundation for uh, future iterations of the sonar blockchain to uh, um, decentralized even further.
0: Wow, so some, some quite surprising uh, numbers that you just gave us there. So profitability for running a, a small validator you'd say would be you have to hold around uh usd worth of solana something in that neighborhood in order to break even with the current transactions that uh, transaction levels that are happening on the chain I would does that say sound about yeah i would say it's even more uh yeah. i don't have the exact
1: numbers but i would say it's even more um yeah it's a big number for sure uh, but also if you look at eth you have to basically stake 32 ETH. that is quite a lot these days as well So there are kind of different kinds of requirements for all these networks to participate in as a, as a, as a validator. And and my take is that most people they they, they are not really interested in or they shouldn't be interested in doing this. They can be of more help in other parts of the ecosystem right now. I think scaling um, the validators of of chains um, will become important or is important now, but it like. The room for this to happen um, is not here yet, maybe. And I think a consequence of this is, is, if you look at all the ecosystem, if you look at Cosmos, the number of validators that reach uh, 33%, I think is somewhere between five and ten. Um, same with 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 Tezos. Um, it's pretty similar, I think. So similar. So it's a common theme. It's not like this is, um, yeah. It's a common theme, and I think the reasons are kind of um, pointing to that uh, uh, as well. So, yeah, right Mm -hmm. now we are here, but of course uh, we want to get somewhere else in the future in terms of decentralization and number of um, entities participating in consensus of these uh, ecosystems.
0: Yes, it's very valuable insights you're giving here to the audience, people listening that may be contemplating setting up their own Solana node or getting a lot of information from you here. Uh, so so, what direct implications does the increasing stake transition from bigger to many smaller validators on Solana have on your business at staking facilities? And how do you deal with that?
1: I think uh, validators, they, like what I love about this the space and our colleagues, like validator colleagues, um, there's this notion of friendly competition. Of course, we're all competing for stake but we all, we all know that uh, we kind of have to work together uh, to, 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 to operate this network. And we're kind of sitting in the same boat, like pretty literally. So um, we're on one team and uh, what has happened in Solana to us is, is, uh, is a big privilege. And um, we try to keep up with, with uh, the responsibilities with it. And um, so re- I'm really happy if, uh, if we see small validators kind of um, proving themselves and, and then getting bigger. So um, in Solana, for example, there's, um, there's this awesome guy, Brian Long. And um, just to give you an example of, of this, how this could work, and he in the very early days was just a community validator that um, I think was interested in Solana, um, I think had no prior t- touch points with, with blockchain. And um, yeah, now he's running a, a, a validator that is called BlockLogic. Um, it's rank 15 right now. And, and they went from a couple of Sol and stake to a couple of million. And I think people simply rewarded that they're building cool stuff. They're running um, side weight contract validator performance. They also run uh, RPCs for projects building on Solana. So they're doing lots of things. And there's definitely a clear path for people to. Um, get into an ecosystem, um, build up reputation, and people will, will notice and they will reward you for it. So this, I think, is a very good model to approach this. And what doesn't work right, like what doesn't work is simply spinning up a validator and hoping for stake. So um, why do you think people should delegate to you? This is kind of a question everybody has to answer if you really want to spin up a validator. There's, there are lots of people and lots of validators. so. Why you? And um, I think the, the answer to this question is always uh, deeply engage with the ecosystem, build something, build a community, and then kind of leverage this to, to spin up a validator and, and get stake. Um, and and uh, this aligns with my argument earlier, if there is more economic activity happening on these ecosystems, there will be all kinds of different communities that can come together and operate a validator or whatever on their own and kind of um, together reach this or break this point of profitability. But you kind of can't do it alone. You have to have a big, like a bigger plan or some some mission. What we see mm-hmm. as well is is projects on Solana, for example, um, applications um, running uh, validators as well. So this could be something. This could be a model. Hey, we're um, for example, let's let's imagine Curve Finance or ETH on Ethereum. They, they they would operate a validator that you can delegate to, and maybe this also gives you some benefits in terms of using their application. So there are all kinds of different models that that will be explored, I think, in the future, and um, will make it very interesting how this validator um, set composes in the future. For us, we love to see it happen. We support smaller validators, and uh, we've been delegating stake to smaller validators uh, since the very beginning. Um, yeah, it's
0: supposed to be. So that's very nice to hear. I, I know not everyone in the industry takes this approach, but you guys have gone as far as actually you've been delegating some of your own funds to smaller Solana validators to help them grow uh, throughout their process. And that's that's really amazing to hear. It's almost philanthropic in a way. Uh, but it helps achieve greater goal throughout the ecosystem, and I think you make a great point when you say it's not just about setting up a, a validator and walking away. It's about creating cool stuff, right? Uh, to keep it SEO friendly, creating cool stuff, and really connecting with your community. And that's where a lot of your hours, your you know, your overhead is committed to as well is giving attention and and building community, building products within that community, and making sure that uh, you know the users are are experiencing something worthwhile and valuable in the end. Um, So for you, how important are big active validators for layer one blockchains? And I don't mean exchanges, but providers like staking facilities who are not only validating, but also building tooling and educating exactly like what you do with uh, Solana Beach for Solana. How important is that? I think validators
1: are um, like, I don't want to it's a bit weird saying this from my perspective but i think uh, validators are crucial or have been crucial for the early bootstrapping phase of these networks um like this applies to solana but this also applies for many many and i would almost say all networks out there validators are often the biggest investors so they, they buy tokens early on um they run all these test networks um, security, security focused validators find all kinds of different bugs in your code base. They make sure that your network, network, once it launches is stable and won't be exploited uh, on the next day. Um, or they will do their best to do about this. And, uh, so on top of that, they're building stuff like, um, block explorers. They are doing all kinds of different things that make this project a success and they are kind of the yeah yeah the people that re- you rely on the most in the early days to to get up to speed and up and running so so i think that there's a very symbiotic relationship between validators obviously and the underlying project and i think they're really important especially you kind of emphasized bigger validators so i think bigger validators have the responsibilities uh, responsibility to um, put in more and um, committing more people to to different tasks that, yeah, might be look very different. One validator might have a focus on security, another validator builds stuff, the other one is doing great um, educational mat- material. So there are, co- there are endless possibilities to to uh, engage yourself in the community. But I think, um, yeah, uh, it's important that bigger validators uh, live up to the responsibility um and uh so yeah i think they're really important um and uh, this might change in the future i don't know um we certainly noticed like once these ecosystems really blow up and there's a lot of applications running on top um it you, you become more of a tech operator of, of hardware basically and uh, you're obviously your your influence in, in, in the ecosystem is Decreasing, which is also good. I think validators have this big responsibility in the beginning, um, when when these uh, small projects are kind of very fragile and they need care and, and resources to, to to grow. But once once they reach escape velocity, I think validators and their resp- responsibilities um, rightfully so will decrease. Um, obviously, there are trends that they kind of run counter to, to that. For for example, if you look at minor extractable value or something like this. Um, but yeah, I think in general, this is how I see it.
0: Yeah, and that's that's truly an insider perspective right there. And for everyone watching, if you guys wanna just head over to solanabeach.io and check out the amazing block explorer uh, built by Wolfgang and his team here. I mean, this is you know, basically the leading block explorer for Solana. And you know we make certain data point calls from there API, and I'm sure other people do as well. So it's a critical part that uh, these big validators are contributing some kind of tooling or educational material or, or product to the ecosystems they support to help them achieve this escape velocity, like you said there uh, so many times. So yeah, great insider perspective there. And, and, how, yeah, and, and how do you think your role in the ecosystem as an active value-adding proof-of-stake validator will change in the coming years? more or less relevant? And will the core business model for you stay the same or change?
1: Yeah, I touched on this a bit in my my last answer. I think uh, like big trend, I think is that validators, of course they lose relevance because um, other parts of the system, namely the applications running on top and the users using these applications, they obviously become more important rightfully so this is how it should be your um I, i'm not saying that you get reduced to this kind of just run your validator and that it that's it role i think you can stay very active and and build also in, uh, engage in the ecosystems yourself so what we're doing on solana we um we're not only a validator we also um participating in different DeFi protocols for example we are a liquidity provider in, in, in different um, these DeFi protocols on Solana, so we kind of leverage our capital to to help bootstrap these this initial liquidity, and uh, we're also kind of users for of ourselves, like our on networks. So it's it's a this is for example one opportunity that uh, I think you can you can engage in. Another one would be. Um, I touch on this minor extractable value. So if we really populate these blockchains with uh, lots of economic activity and if we move billions and trillions every day around and if we facilitate all these economic activity, um, minor minor extractable value is the idea that validators that have the power to order these transactions that Uh, essentially financial interactions with different programs. If you have the power to to order those transactions, um, you can extract a lot of value out of this because uh, you can basically say, this one comes first, this one comes after, or this one pays better, uh, or we just take this transaction and replace it with our own and leave the other one out. So lots of room to extract value there. And I think this will become a, a topic for validators where they have to decide how they want to approach this, how they want to, um, yeah, basically, um, how they want to deal with this in general. It's a very open question and there's no kind of obvious solution. Um, Lots of interesting approaches and very smart people are working on this. Um, But this is, for example, one topic which will become very uh, important for validators where I could imagine this, runs counter to the trend of uh, just losing relevance because um, uh, yeah, this is a very interesting or uh, crucial um, part of these blockchain ecosystems. Um, Yeah, maybe that does mean that uh, we see um, other players coming in to validate simply to like um, take their share in in minor extractable value or something. So maybe the validator landscape changes dramatically i don't know um could be Uh, it's a very open future
0: yeah it sounds like it's it's ever expanding with this minor extractable value topic and it's almost the topic that we could uh speak for another hour on and i'm sure we, we will in the future uh down the line um so to wrap up today's interview we have one final question and we're going to really try to gauge uh, some insider perspective for you. I, I know you're very in touch with a lot of projects uh, throughout the entire market. So uh, do you think we've already seen the launch of all big Layer 1 protocols in the market? Or do you think there'll be some more new Layer networks uh, gaining traction in the coming years? Maybe something you're already working with.
1: That's a good question. Yeah. Um, if you talk about strictly like strictly Layer 1s, I think we we kind of um have seen a lot so the the chances that we've seen um at least the majority of dominant platforms in the future is very high i think and i think we see that something comes out of the works that is just so much better than everything else is, is shrinking i think we've pretty much uh, fleshed out the uh the spectrum the trade-off spectrum and people have implemented all kinds of different uh, networks. And, and, and based on that spectrum, they, they took different trade offs and built uh, lots of different things. And now I think is a phase where we've seen all these different approaches and the market clearly starts to single some approaches out and telling, hey, this one uh, people are more confident that this approach is going to stay and be relevant in the future um so yeah uh, lots of um i think we've seen lots of approaches and and the, the risk that something comes out and is just very different and uh, yeah it is small but um yeah what i could see is that um the way we um basically what is still unknown is how for example, ETH2 will look in its final form. And if, like, if for example, a roll-up centric future um, is becoming more of a thing in the future and people re- realize this is the optimal way, way to scale um, blockchain computation, I can also see that there will be coming up new approaches, for example, blockchain that just focuses on data availability. And attaches lots of roll-ups um, to this. So maybe something like this comes up in the future and, and proves to be much more convenient for the users. I don't know. Um, yeah, but on the other hand, coming back to Solana, it's always interesting because they've make they've made this completely contrarian bet. Um while everybody in their grandma was doing sharding and rollups and fragmenting things into layer twos and stuff they took the opposite approach and said, hey, we're going to be this blockchain and maybe it's a niche, but maybe it's not. But we're going to be this ecosystem that just takes this radically different approach and we're going to have this one monolithic chain everything runs on. So I think what people like about Solana right now is that there's clarity that like no matter what the future will look like, there will be value in this. This is all we can say right now. There might be other things upcoming and the landscape might change, but that doesn't change the fact that this specific trade-off is proving to be really valuable. And right now, if you, I think, uh, wanna be on the forefront of of things, I think the big trend right now is obviously bridges. We have all these layer ones, and uh, right now it's insane how much bridges coming up left and right i'm um, trying to solve the problem of liquidity fragmentation and uh, breaking up composability and basically all this middleware that is needed to make this um internet of blockchains a thing so yeah it's kind of i think where um you can be very active and um yeah find a lot of alpha in comparison to uh, just looking for another layer one that um make something a little bit different than another thing that already exists. So I think um, this is where the music is right now. Um, connecting um, and facilitating inter um, the communication between all these uh, blockchains. So if you want to really in to this, I think this could be a, this is a great topic um, to explore and to, to think about.
0: Um, yeah. Well, that's just a great way to end it. And I think, you've given our, our listeners, our audience, just tons of information to digest here. And it's been an extremely valuable episode. I know I've learned a lot just speaking with you over the past hour. and. Everyone listening, again, this was Wolfgang Albright, co-founder and CEO of Staking Facilities. Wolfgang, it was just such a pleasure having you here today. Uh, I wanted to thank you for coming on. I wanted to remind everyone to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hit the like button on this video and be sure to share it around to all your friends. We're also on Spotify. So if you guys prefer audio only, check us out on Spotify, Staking Rewards. And Wolfgang, can you let everyone know how they can uh, follow you or learn more about the stuff you're working on?
1: Yeah, I think best is probably um, to to check out our Twitter and our website, stakingfacilities.com. You will find everything there. Um, also lots of educational material and also um, yeah, things we find interesting uh, on our blog uh, medium. Um, yeah, reach out to us on Twitter if you have any questions. Thanks a ton for having me, it was really fun and I'd uh, love to come back someday when uh, maybe when the dust settles and uh, I think it would be really interesting to kind of re-evaluate what we've just said um, about the future play ones and and all this uh, maybe one or two years, um, because we can talk a lot. But in the end, uh, we know that reality always is different, and uh, would be really interesting to kind of look back in the furious and, and see what happened.
0: Put it in a time capsule and let's bring it back up in a year or two and uh let's see how, mu- how much of a problem minor extractable value is uh, for the yeah. ecosystem
1: <laughs> exactly exactly
0: all right well, it's been such a pleasure thank you again wolfgang everyone please like subscribe and share this video and as always happy staking take care
1: happy staking guys bye bye